Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Some 30 seconds. What would be your solution? Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Hello, Supo. Can you hear me? Superintendent uh, Alexander Bain, can you hear me? Okay, let me just clarify as well that Mr. Frimpong Manzo. All right. It appears we've lost uh, both of them on the line. Unfortunate. But we're going to wrap up on the show with uh, these uh, last-minute comments, messages that have come through. Manuel. Yes, Ben, a lot of them coming from up north. This one says, as Road Safety Commission, especially in northern region, we need as part of orientation and education for motorcycle users. And a person puts in brackets, keke users, what is popularly referred to as pragya, uh, take riders and drivers to accident and emergency units of hospitals. This can be done in turns, using sectional levels and repeated twice in a year. We need to set up and save lives. This one says, I think the guy said it all. Education is all it takes. And finally, um, this one says that the man from VIP isn't being honest about two drivers on journeys after Kumase. Mm. I was in a VIP coach to Sampa recently and only one driver took us there. When coming back to Accra after two days, that same driver, um, that same coach brought us. Okay. What has he got to say about this? Well, to be uh, fair, he's not at VIP. He's at VIP Zone. Mm. These are two different entities. And so uh, just to put a bit of context to that. But uh, some bit of the, you know, um, round of thoughts coming through on the show, Ben. 
Well, let me just in- indicate as well that we engaged the National Road Safety Authority to have a rep come through, uh, but uh, you know, at the last minute, uh, that was not possible. It did not happen. Uh, I'd just like to acknowledge our guests for tonight, Engineer uh, William Zaka, Senior Research Scientist, Building and Road Research Institute, uh, Superintendent Alexander Bing, Director uh, of Training and Advocacy with the MTTD, Seth Kwame Watting, a journalist, and of course, uh, Adakabre Ad- Ad- from Pomanso, MDVIP Zone, and finally, Awal Mohammed, Ghana Motor Riders Association. To all of you who have connected with us tonight, thank you very, very much. My name is Benjamin Akaku. I've done this with the support of NS Kojomenu and Manuel Karante. Coming up next, George Addo Jr. with The Locker Room. Do stay. Follow your sports news on The Locker Room. Hello, I'm Lee James, host of Sports World on the BBC World Service. For the best of previews to the sporting weekend, listen to George Addo Jr. on The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM with George Addo Jr. and tennis tops the charts in the approaching sporting weekend with the first Grand Slam of the year despite its challenges very much on the horizon big football business with the title races across Europe beginning to take proper shape Inter Milan AC Milan and Juventus are in the Scudetto tassel Bayern Munich need to shake off the RB Leipzig challenge in Germany and Spain Atletico Madrid are head and shoulders above Barcelona and Real Madrid and PSG continue the chase in France in England there's a season defining game between the holders and former champions I don't admire other teams. <laughs> I respect them and I, I, I like a couple of things, but they are obvious. What they, and I, what I said in a second before, that's more about the, the character of the team, obviously, together with the manager is, is quite impressive. But about the rest of this football, what they do is, is good. Um, so, yeah. For me as a manager, I said uh, we won the league. We won the Premier League. Is the best contender I ever faced in my career. One of the biggest achievements we achieve as a club or as a personal. We were there and remains the same. So probably right now is the strongest team in the world. And in a way, playing in Anfield, you know how does it means for uh, for them for all the rivals. But it's 90 minutes or 94, and we're going to try to to follow the plan we thought uh, in this game. Liverpool welcome Manchester City to Anfield after two consecutive losses and in dire need of a win in a game that would describe the nature of this year's title race or perhaps end the cop's dream of a 20th league title. We have a preview to the top of the table clash as club forces Pep Guardiola into checkmate. Also coming up... A great Olympics have been handed to Brock and Rice of the Manchester Derby. A lovely drive, beautiful goal. Great goal by Under- Run over, loops the ball into the area. That's the ball! with the ball then hits a lovely cross above everybody ball clears the post and the phobia bad cries out loud they have got the goal Carilla trying to move men forward here we see Taylor this can be dangerous Carilla Ghana Premier League nears the halfway line with top fixtures lined up 
current leaders, Karela United, face Ghana Premier League giant Asante Kotoko in Enyanasi. Hartsville continue the race upwards. Olympics are very much liking the winning bars and inter-allies are looking for an escape route soon. Preview ahead. We'll be in Cameroon to preview the African Nations Championship Finals to come later this weekend between Mali and Morocco and stick with the updates from the ongoing FIFA Club World Cup with heavy focus on the African champions, El Ahli. If you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to read them via social media accounts, joy slash 99.7 FM on Facebook, 0551111997 on WhatsApp, or tweet us at joysportsgh. We'll be in Melbourne to preview the upcoming Grand Slam of the year, slated to begin in three days, despite the problems. And we'll find just how organizers of this year's Olympics are coping with COVID protocols. We'll tell you more about the game's playbook. Time to talk about what the world is talking about in the world of sport. Hello from me, George Adler Jr., and welcome. So let's begin with the Ghana Premier League this evening. Of course, no better place to begin with heavy focus on the games to come on March Day 13. So much on offer for teams in the top half. Karela United face Kumase Asante Kotoko. That's certainly the tastiest clash of the weekend. Hart, Savile, Kashanti, Gold, Great Olympics all have equal needs and will be in for three points on offer. Let's check out the games to come then on March Day 13 of the Ghana Premier League. And here's my colleague Mubarak Haruna. Asante Kotoko face a daunting task when they travel to Enyinyasi to face league leaders Karela United. The Porcupine Warriors had to rely on a penalty scored by forward Nabi Keita to see off entire lies who are at the bottom of the table. Despite being undefeated in their away games this season, they face a Karela United side who have won all games at the Crosby Ewam Memorial Park. A win for Kotoko can take them to the summit of the table as they are two points adrift of top spot. A crowd of folks season is imploding, having been in second on the table in mid-January. They now find themselves lying 10th on a league log with 16 points. They are winless in their last three games, including losing back-to-back to Great Olympics and Mediama Sporting Club. The Phobians can now get their season back on track when they host rejuvenated Legon Cities at the Accra Sports Stadium. Ashanti Gold are also on a poor run of form recently as they are yet to secure a win in their last four games. The bad run has dented their title hopes as they sit in eighth with 17 points. However, they have the opportunity to end that wretched run when they welcome struggling Liberty professionals at the Len Clay Sports Stadium. The scientific soccer lads are also winless in their last four as they sit in the relegation zone with 11 points. They considered five goals in their last away game, which was in Soga Kope against Wafa. Great Olympics are eyeing three successive wins on the bounce when they travel to face Bechem United. The Wonder Club beat House of Folk by two goals to nil in the Mancha Derby before putting three past King Faisal in midweek. Great Olympics are in second with 21 points, one point behind league leaders Carola United. Meanwhile, Bechem United lost to their rival Brecum Chelsea in midweek and will be looking to bounce back as soon as possible. They occupy the fourth position with 19 points. Entire lives are sinking deep in the relegation zone as they enter week 13 with only 7 points to show from a possible 36. The 11 is to 1 boys have suffered 9 defeats this season, which is more than any other team. Their last game ended in a 1-0 loss to Asante Kotoko in midweek. Allies must up their game if they want to get anything when they welcome Ibisian Dwarfs at their Crossball Stadium. Dwarfs head into the game in a buoyant mood after beating Ashanti Gold by 2 goals to 1 at the Cape Coast Stadium. They are also undefeated in the 
their last two visits to the Accra Sports Stadium. King Faisal need all three points desperately to move out of the relegation zone when they host Mediama Sporting Club at the Ohene Ameyao Park. 11 Wonders are seeking to return to winning ways when they welcome highly improved Dreams FC at the Ohene Ameyao Park. They still believe side have been extremely good since their appointment of Serbian coach Vladislav Veric. Under the new gaffer, Dreams FC are unbeaten in six games, winning three and drawing three. Elsewhere in Doma, Ediana Stars entertain Wafa at the Nana Ajimambedu Park. In Cape Coast, Elmina Sharks will battle it out with Brokum Chelsea at the Indom Stadium. Right, so we have the update for you on the Sports Read on Sunday between 4 p.m. and 6.30 with some live updates coming from the Indianasi grounds where Karela United take on Kumasi Asante Kotoko. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Morocco will defend the African Nations Championship title against Mali in Sunday's final in Yaoundé after the holders thrashed Cameroon 4-0 days ago. The Moroccans were simply good for the host as a double from Sofiane Rahimi Either side of goals from Sofiane Boutini and Mohamed Al-Bemama secured a comprehensive win. The North Africans secured the title of home soil in 2018 when beating Nigeria 4-0 in the final. Mali will be in the Chan final as well for the second time and looking to improve their 3-0 defeat to DR Congo in 2016. So, should we expect more of the same? Joining me now with some analysis, my colleague and African football expert, Nuhu Adams, who has been following the competition closely. Thank you very much, Nuhu, for your time on the show. First, how deserving are these two of the final? Uh, looking at where it started, are these the finest two in the competition? And are they here on merit? Well, well George, what I would say is that um, Morocco, even before the tournament, were attempt to, to win the tournament. So for them to be in the final, it's not shocking. They have the quality. They have everything going in favor of them. They have players coming from Wydad Athletic Club, Raja Casablanca, Aris Bekani, Hassan Yagadi. These were teams that were in the semi-finals and finals and probably um, winning the CAF Confederation Cup and CAF Champions League. So Morocco, <laughs> they are deserving to, to be in the final. Mali, um, yes, they deserve to be there, but many people didn't expect that until when they played their first game in the group stages. That's where people will realize Mali is having a very good team and can go far. So looking at the kind of game they've been playing, looking at the kind of um, performances they've displayed at the tournament, I'm not surprised they are also there. Even though the last two games, that's the quarterfinals and semifinals have been very, very difficult for them. But I think they still have that quality to be in the final. So I think both teams deserve to be there. 
Well, no, let's talk about the holders of Morocco who have made another final. Are the Moroccans simply reaping from some great policies or uh, they still have key actors from the last winning side? Uh, well, what, what is working for Morocco is that they have most of their teams always competing at the highest level in the CAF Champions League, the CAF Congregation Cup. Last season, Irish Bekani won the CAF Congregation Cup. They have Wydad Athletic Club and Raja Casablanca in the semi-finals of the CAF Champions League. Hassan and Agadir were, were also in the semi-finals of the CAF Congregation Cup. And most of the players are coming from these teams. So it tells you the kind of quality the team is possessing. Yes, they have very few um, players who were part of the last edition. I think Ayub Ayub Kabi, who was the top scorer, is still in the team. And Azanati, who was the goalkeeper of the last edition, is also in the team. But almost all the players are very new. But their quality is speaking for them. If you watch them play, you understand why they, they are in the finals and why many people believed they, they will win the tournament once again. I think they, they, they are doing things very right. They are keeping most of their talent in the country and that's one positive tip. Sufyan Rahimi, who has five goals from five uh, matches so far in the tournament, is playing for Raja Casablanca and Raja has rejected a $2.5 million offer from an iron in UAE just to keep the player. So, let's say the next edition of the channel, we will still have Sufyan Rahimi representing for Morocco. It should tell you the kind of quality they will be presenting um, that time too. So I think Morocco are very deserving. They are just making sure the time tournament become their bona fide property. They, were in the fa- they, they won it last edition. They are in the finals today. And everything is clear that if they should compete um, in the next edition of the time qualifiers, they will still qualify and come to be the favorite to win it. So, that's it. How determined then, no, has this Malian side been all competition? What has been working for them? Well, the Malians have been solid. They have a very good team. And I think um, they, they, they come for so long. So, you can see the understanding. You can see the telepathy in the team. Um, let's give credit to the coach. Um, he has done an amazing job um, on the team. One thing that is working for them is they, they, they use most of their strength and then um, believe themselves they, they can beat any team that they face. Yes, yeah, the last two games have been very difficult for them. In the quarterfinals, it went to penalties against Congo. Against Guinea in the semifinals, the game went to penalties as well. So let's look at that. If they don't have the stamina, if they don't have the, the strength, it would have been very difficult for them to play extra time on two occasions. But here they are. They are in the finals after beating Guinea on penalty. So I think um, they have a quality team. Most of their players um, have played in Europe and elsewhere and they are back to Mali to, to relaunch. So they are taking advantage of the tournament to make sure they, they, they get contract outside. So they are, they are doing so good. The goalkeeper um, is the first choice goalkeeper for the senior national team of Mali. That's Jubidia. Um, um, Siaka Makayoku Chatu has played for Sraxen before. Siaka Samaka was part of the 2016 um, Chan tournament team. Um, they have very good players. Number Diallo, all these players are players who are seen it all. They've been playing in the Cup Champions League and Congregation Cup with um, AS Joliba and Stad Malian too. So I think um, they, they, they have a very good team. 
No, so you need to answer this critical one. Where will this final be won or lost? Well, Morocco have a way to win it. Um, I've already mentioned that they have the quality. They have everything no team in the tournament have. I think um, if you look at the, the, the kind of players they, they are possessing, um, it will be very difficult for anybody to predict a lose for Morocco when they face any other teams um, in the in the tournament. Yes, Mali have been very solid. They've been very formidable. But I don't think they, 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 they can overcome Morocco. Morocco is having a very strong midfield. Labi Naji, Abdullah Hafidi, Mohamed um, Bamama, they have Sufyan Rahimi. If they get their day, that is the end for, for Mali. They have a very good attack too. Are you Kabi leading the attack? Any little chance, he will make sure he's, he's punishing you. So I don't see how Mali will be able to overcome Morocco. But it is football, anything can happen. But Morocco, our favorite on paper, they are favorite on the foot, they have the quality, they have everything to win the champion. Now, can you end then with the updates from the FIFA Club World Cup and indeed, what are the chances of Pichu Musimani and his boys causing an upset? Um, well, if you talk about uh, Ali versus Bayern Munchen in the semi-finals of the FIFA Club World Cup, um, I don't expect much from El Ali because um, Africa have not felt well when we play against European champions at the FIFA Club World Cup. I remember Raja Casablanca lost 3-2 to Real Madrid in 2000. In 2010, TP Mazembe lost 3-0 to Inter Milan. Um, we had Raja Casablanca once again losing 2-0 to Bayern Munchen. So it will be very difficult to say Ali will, will be able to beat a team like Bayern Munchen. Bayern Munchen are blazing in form. They have everything. They are the best team in Europe as we, we, we speak. And if you look at the quality, the Lewandowski's are scoring for fun. Um, it will be very difficult for anybody to think Ali will be able to beat Bayern Munchen. Even Picho Mosimani has admitted that um, for a team that can beat by, uh, Barcelona by eight goals to two, they are just going into the game to have fun, not to um, think they are going to beat by Munchen. Yes, someone might say um, Pito is playing mind games, but he's been fair here. Ali by Munchen, uh, it will be very difficult for Ali to, to, to beat Bayern. Bayern will win it, but I think what we can expect from Ali is an improved performance. Yes, they beat Duhal AC um, from Qatar in the quarterfinals 1-0, but in the second half, we also Ali were very, very um, slow. Duhal took over the, the, the game, they improved their performance and started attacking and Ali. If that's how Ali is going to, to play against Bayamontin, then they have no chance. So I think we can only expect an improvement from Ali, the Ali side, but to beat by Munchen will take a miracle. Thanks, Nungo, for your time on the locker room as always. Now time to go across the oceans and find out the games to come. As always, ahead of our quick preview, there's a big chat with the BBC's John Bennett on the Joy Sports BBC Two Race Series. Enjoy this, there's more to come.
Thanks, John, for your time this weekend. And always a pleasure to have you on the show. Surely Midweek has given us so much perspective ahead of a pivotal match day this weekend. So let's talk at Liverpool. There was another loss to Brighton just when we thought all was well, even with their injury worries. Is this Liverpool side that bad in terms of quality? Hi, George. Great to speak to you as ever. I think injuries are catching up with them now. I think the intense time they've had over the last few years under Jurgen Klopp catching up with them as well. They've had so much success over the last two or three years. And of course, we know that it's difficult to maintain. It's so difficult once you won the Premier League to win it back the year after. Not too many teams do that. So it was always going to be tough for Liverpool, but I have to say I'm surprised by this awful run of form. What is it now, this run of form? Going into the game, they've won three of their past ten, and this is the incredible thing. They've lost two on the bounce at home, which when you consider their amazing home record before that, really is pretty unbelievable. Of course, we know about the injuries at the back to Van Dijk, to Gomez, to Matip. That is catching up with them. I think they brought in two central defenders too late in the in the window. Why didn't they do it at the start of January? I know that at that stage they didn't know that John Matip was going to get injured, but surely they had to be planning ahead at the start of January, not at the end of January. This weekend there was no Alisson. I think in, in attack, there were the likes of Jordan Shakiri, the likes of Divock Origi, who have stood in for for Salah, for Firmino, for Mane in recent weeks, haven't been up to the task. I think they've really missed Jordan Henderson in midfield. He's been playing really well at centre-back, but they've missed his energy in midfield. At the moment, Thiago hasn't really fitted in to the Liverpool style. So it's a big problem for Jurgen Klopp to deal with. And I think they're out of the title race already. But obviously, if they lose against Manchester City this weekend, they're definitely out of the title race. Well, John, then, how much of the Liverpool problem at the moment is down to the manager, Jurgen Klopp? Well, the buck stops with him, doesn't it? Uh, He was given the main responsibility for their success, quite rightly. Amazing management since he took over the club. But now he will know that it's his responsibility, these bad results. Many people are drawing parallels to when things started to go wrong at Borussia Dortmund in his final season when their results just dropped off a cliff in his final season. They ended up in in the relegation zone at Christmas time. They rescued things in the second half of the season. I think ended up finishing seventh, got into the Europa League. And there are some similarities. That Dortmund team was still creating a lot of chances, though, and was very, very unlucky in that first half of the season. What we saw against Brighton was a really lacklustre performance going forward. That's what shocked me. I expected problems at the back. But actually, at the back, they weren't too bad against Brighton. It was going forward where they were struggling to create chances and they had no cutting edge. Yes, they they missed Sadio Mane, but that will be a real concern for Jurgen Klopp going into this massive game against Manchester City. At the same time, Manchester City have looked really good and on such a great run. Seven points ahead of Liverpool with one game in hand. Is it such a bad time for Klopp's Liverpool to be facing Manchester City? And where will this game be won or lost? Yeah, you hinted a really good point there, George. Maybe it's a good time to be facing Manchester City. They go into the game as second favourites. I won't say the pressure is off them, but of course the expectation is all on Manchester City as to them winning the game. Many people will obviously say that Manchester City are big favourites. Where will it be won and lost? I think it's all about whether Liverpool's front three can can fire, whether Mohamed Salah, Roberto Firmino, and Sadio Mane can find form in this game against the Manchester City defence, which has been exceptional. I think that's a massive reason for their 13 
game winning run at the moment in all competitions. Diaz and Stones in particular have been sensational. And the fact that Manchester City keep playing well, even though Kevin De Bruyne is injured, just shows you what a great manager Pep Guardiola is and what a great team this Manchester City side is as well. I wrote them off, I have to say, at the start of the season when they went through a poor run. I thought Liverpool would run away with it. Well, they've proved me and a lot of people wrong. At the moment, it looks as though Manchester City are just going to run away with this title. John, next to Arsenal and the ugly issue of red cards and a lack of discipline with the Gunners. Red is head again in the game against Wolverhampton Wanderers in midweek. Is this down to the crazy individuals just in Ateta's team or Ateta's got something to fix and very soon? You know what? I think Arsenal should just forget about what happened in midweek. I think that was a freak game. They totally dominated the first half against Wolves. They looked as though they were going to win that game comfortably. Then they had that, that freak incident just before halftime. David Luiz, very unfortunate to give away a penalty. Very unfortunate to be sent off. And Wolves win the game. And then that burnt Leno with um, a, a stupid sending off in the second half as well. So just, just forget about that game because before that they were on a really good run. They picked up some brilliant form after that horrendous run of form they're on towards the end of 2020. And things are starting to look positive again for Mikel Arteta, particularly now the likes of Mustafi and Ozil have left the club. So there may be some bumps in the road towards the end of this season. They're still fighting to get into the top six. They're still in the Europa League and they'll be hoping to go really far in the Europa League. But I think there could be some bumps in the road towards the end of this season. But it's a big, big summer now for Arsenal because now they've got rid of those those players who they, they were paying a lot of money to but not really using. Hopefully they can look forward, forward and start bringing in some excellent players to, to build for the future under Mikel Arteta. I think he's a head coach with a plan. I think he has a really good philosophy. And I, and I think that with him, Arsenal can start improving. So just forget that midweek defeat. Don't let it cloud the fact that Arsenal before that were on a really good run. Chelsea next, John. And you have seen Thomas Tuchel over C3 games at least. For some Chelsea fans, patterns are gradually forming out there. What have you made of the game so far and how big a problem is Timo's lack of goals at the moment? I've been really impressed by Chelsea. The fact that there's an identity straight away under Thomas Tuchel. He was really clear with how he wanted to play. The three at the back, using the wing back straight away. He knew that Hudson-Odoi would be an excellent right wing back he knew that he'd bring back Alonso who'd been completely frozen out by Frank Lampard and there's a clear plan it was amazing to me that Thomas Tuchel has only been there for three games two games before the Tottenham game but Jose Mourinho has now been at Tottenham for for a long time and more than more than a season and it was Chelsea who had an identity Chelsea who seemed to have the, the, more of a pattern of play despite the fact that their coach had only been there for two games so there's a real identity at the club. Yes, Timo Werner's lack of goals is a problem, but I think once he once he breaks this poor run, I think we will see Timo Werner knocking in goal after goal after goal and becoming prolific. He's a fantastic striker. We saw that in Germany. We saw that in the Bundesliga for RB Leipzig. We see it when he plays for the German national team. He will find his form, and I'm sure that Thomas Tuchel is probably the perfect head coach to try to get that form back. West Ham have looked very good under David Moyes this season. Uh, the latest inclusion, just Lingard, seems to have gotten right into the groove. What's the reason for their success? And how crucial will Lingard, who many have tagged not too good, be for them? I think they've gone back to basics. I think David Moyes makes it very clear to each and every individual in that West Ham team what their role is, what their job is. 
They've been really successful in the transfer market, bringing in the likes of Suchek from the Czech League, who's been sensational. And they have been criticised, quite rightly, the owners of West Ham. But over the last year or so, they've got things right when, it's come to, when it comes to recruitment. And David Moyes has to be congratulated. What a job he has done. I'm delighted for Jesse Lingard uh, because th- there's a great player in there. Remember how well he played at the World Cup in 2018 in, in Russia? And despite missing all that time out of the Manchester United team, he comes back in and straight away makes a great impression on his West Ham debut. It shows that form is temporary, class is permanent. And, and I think Lingard will really now be pushing for an England spot at, at the Euros in the, in the European summer as well. So, yeah, it's, it's a really good time at the moment to be a West Ham fan. And yeah, I, th- I think for the first time in a long time, they can look forward with a bit of confidence. John, let's talk about the key games that come this weekend. Aside the Liverpool-Manchester City clash, what are we to expect when Aston Villa play Arsenal and Sheffield welcome Chelsea? Manchester United play Everton and Wolves clash with your Leicester City. Well, Villa need to pick themselves up, don't they, after that defeat against West Ham when they were really poor. West Ham outplayed them in that game. So, big game for both sides. Big game for Arsenal to pick themselves up after that uh, defeat against Wolves. Big game for Aston Villa to pick themselves up after the defeat to West Ham. I think Chelsea will continue their excellent form when they play against Sheffield United. Sheffield United have shown a, a sign of revival, haven't they, in recent weeks, but I think it's too little too late. Manchester United need to beat Everton to keep the pressure on Manchester City at the top of the table. Everton, though, were, were, were decent against Leeds in midweek. Leeds actually dominated the game, but Everton showed how resolute they've become under Carlo Ancelotti by winning the game 2-1. They're really dangerous on the break. And Leicester City, big boost for them. Wilfred and Didi is back, and more importantly... Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Jamie Vardy is back as well. So I expect Leicester City to do really well against Wolverhampton Wanderers, particularly the fact that this season Leicester City have been sensational away from home. Thank you very much, John, for your time on the show.
So we know the key games to come in England. Now let's pay attention to what's to come in Italy, Spain, Germany and France. Here's my colleague Moses Yeboah. Bayern Munich take on Hertha Berlin on Friday night with the Bavarians keen on retaining their healthy lead at the top of the Bundesliga table. However, Bayern coach Hansi Flick will have to remain cautious against the Hertha side that is currently under new leadership. Schalke 04 host RB Leipzig on Saturday with the host needing a win to have any chance of moving off the bottom of the table. Leipzig, meanwhile, must win in order to keep their slim hopes of catching league leaders Bayern. Freiburg take on Borussia Dortmund with the visitors aiming to move into the top four position in the table with a victory. Third place Wolfsburg travel to Augsburg and Hoffenheim host Antoine Frankfurt. AC Milan will look to keep their serial title pursuit alive when they welcome Croton into the San Siro on Sunday. Stefano Pioli's side currently lead the way in the Italian top flight after 20 games, but just two points separate the Rosaneri in first from rivals Inter Milan in second. However, they face basement club Crotone this weekend, who have won just one of their last six league outings. Meanwhile, Inter will play away to Fiorentina tonight. It's fourth versus third as champions Juventus host Roma, who are just a point ahead of Juve, and Napoli will play away to Genoa. Barcelona are looking to put the nightmare situation surrounding Lionel Messi and his contract to one side when they visit Real Betis on Sunday night. Despite the controversy, the Catalan Giants are on a great run in La Liga as they try their best to chase down leaders Atletico Madrid. An embattled Real Madrid side travel to bottom dwellers Huesca and leaders Atletico who host Celta Vigo on Monday. Liga's greatest rivalry, Le Classique, is on this Sunday when Olympic Marseille take on Mauricio Pochettino's Paris Saint-Germain. And in the English Premier League, Liverpool host leaders Manchester City in the Super Sunday clash at Anfield. Elsewhere, United who host Everton. Chelsea play away to Sheffield and Arsenal take on Aston Villa. Thanks, Moses Yeboah, for your time on the show, as always. Live on radio, live online, this is The Locker Room with George Addo Jr. Final, a Grand Slam final. Victory for Sofia Cannon of the United States. Team hits the backhand. Nadal with the forehand into the net. Dominic Team slowly raises his arms to the sky. Team comes out on the winning side. I had really the feeling that I was lucky in the right situation. Uh, net court was, was really on my side. Uh, but it's necessary because he's uh, one of the greatest of all time, biggest legends uh, this sport's ever had. So you need some luck to, to beat him. Backhand Djokovic is deep and Federer puts the backhand into the net. And I'm sure it's a feeling that never grows old for Djokovic. An eighth Australian Open final, that's a record. And now a 26th Grand Slam final. Tennis next. Australian Open boss Craig Tiley says he's absolutely confident the Grand Slam, talk about the Australian Open, will start as planned on Monday, despite 160 players waiting the outcome of coronavirus tests. Now, a total of 507 people connected to the event were told to isolate by Melbourne health officials on Wednesday after a worker tested positive. Play at six warm-up events and slam draws were postponed. The warm-up events, which are all taking place in Melbourne Park, resumed today. And we know the women's matches have been reduced to two sets and a first-to-ten match tiebreak, although the men's matches will still be played over three sets. Now, the disruption came after it was announced on Wednesday that a 26-year-old man tested positive for COVID-19. We'll be joined on the line pretty shortly by BBC Tennis correspondent Gigi Salmon, 
and Cotley Walsh, the Australian sports writer and, of course, former tennis coach. But first, let's hear from the Australian Open boss, Craig Tiley. This is one case. We are all well-trained and well-schooled in what to do as a state, uh, but we've got to take this seriously and through an abundance of caution, I have a number of announcements to make in relation to restrictions and rules. We have to assume uh, that this person has, in fact, infected others, uh, and it's through that abundance of caution that I'm announcing from 11.59pm tonight, Cabinet has endorsed uh, the advice of the Chief Health Officer to reinstate uh, the Black Rock or New Year's Eve settings, so private gatherings 15 only, masks inside... Well, that was Craig Tiley. And of course, I have to say thank you to Gigi Simon and Codley Walsh for joining me on The Locker Room. Let's begin with you, Gigi, then. Uh, this is surely a bit of a setback for the Australian Open organisers after all the protocols being put in place since they began planning for this, right? Oh, it certainly is. They have done so much to get to this stage. They cannot let anything happen now. So they'll be tested. They will isolate. We should say that at the moment, and the Victoria Premier we just heard from Daniel Andrews, has said that the Australian Open will start on Monday the 8th. But we do have six tournaments taking place right now. These are the warm-up events, with five of them taking place at Melbourne Park, the home of the Australian Open. That might impact the near future and the running of those tournaments at the moment because those players who were in that hotel will have to stay there till they get their results. It is, at the moment, just the one case. And as Australia have done the whole way through this pandemic, they are acting very, very quickly. Well, whilst you are in Melbourne, and I know you've heard Tylee say there, Games will go on as planned regardless, and obviously should after the draw this afternoon. But are there any dangers ahead? Look, it will certainly have an impact if uh, in the next 24 hours, uh, or, or hopefully probably the next six hours, there is a positive test. The, the turnaround is pretty rapid, but if there is a positive test among that lot, which we are told the probability is very low, but if nonetheless there is a is positive, it would uh, cause all manner of mayhem because... You know, players have been on site now for a few days. They've been moving around together. Uh, you know, matches are underway in terms of the leading events and a significant amount of matches. There's six, uh, six tournaments this week being held at Melbourne Park. Well, so the competition is so close. I can imagine many players are holding their breath at the moment and a bit nervous. Remind us again, what happens if you test positive in the latter stages? Well, if they do get a positive test, then what the next step will be... Uh, obviously contact tracing now there's a lot of I suppose protocols in place uh, on site you uh, the site this year has been divided into three separate areas because of the the way that the tournaments uh, are progressing in the lead into the to the Melbourne uh, the Australian Open but also for the Australian Open so they should be able to therefore if, if for example there is a positive test in one of the players they can say, well, you've been confined to this area and then I'm sure they would then rigorously test anyone else within that area of the tournament site to find out whether or not there are any issues there. As it stands, if you test positive, you're out of the open. You have to go into immediate 14-day quarantine. Um, the, you know, obviously, the fingers are crossed that that won't be the case, that, that this is simply a scare. The, hotel, you know, the timing of the positive test with the hotel worker and those who left the hotel, effectively, there's a, you know, it's, it's a week between the last positive tests by a player. Uh, the Spaniard, Paula Bedosa, and her coach tested positive on January 22. They were moved to a health hotel immediately. The positive test from the hotel worker came a week after. So, you know, the, the, the chances are low, but they're taking no risks. And if you test positive, you'll be out. Well, Wells, just before you leave us, uh, we know players have complained about the restrictions and the disruption to their training programmes. I know we won't have happy players on the court when the action begins, certainly on Monday. 
But what's the sense of frustration, though, at this point? Look, it's been, it's sort of a little different. There's certainly been some uncertainty. I'm just off the phone with uh, Pat Cash, the Wimbledon champion in 1987, uh, who he served the two weeks of quarantine. He wasn't in strict lockdown. He was able to go out and, and, and coach his uh, his player, Qian Wang, from China. But he, as a result of being at the Grand Hyatt, they've had to go and uh, get tested today, go into isolation. And he was sort of a little, I suppose, concerned about the timing of their notifications. I think the, the local uh, Premier here, uh, Dan Andrews, revealed the positive test at 10.30, but obviously a lot of players uh, and coaches from around the world aren't necessarily in tune with the, the local channels or local social media channels. So Pat said he woke up at 8 o'clock this morning for breakfast and there's all these notifications. All of a sudden, all play at Melbourne Park and all training at Melbourne Park is off. You have to isolate immediately, get tested. So they got, a, they got a taxi to the testing site. Um, you know, they were accused of, uh, of players and officials waiting to be tested. So there's certainly some confusion around. As I said, you know, touch wood, the next six hours or so, we should get all the tests back. And, uh, you know, fingers crossed there's a clean bill of health because the tennis that have been played this week, after all the players were out of quarantine, there's just been some superb tennis. All the champions uh, playing you know, yesterday on Margaret Cotterini, you had Serena Williams and Ash Barty, just, just champions of the sport. So, fingers crossed. Thanks, Walsh. Uh, Gigi, you have been silent for a while. Let's get you in right now. What kind of tournament awaits us then? With so much talk of coronavirus ahead of it, really grave consequences, I should think. Should any player test positive during the competition? We had one Spanish player who actually tested positive after one of the flights that came in from Dubai. She wasn't feeling very well and she was actually taken to a health hotel to self-isolate. She still had enough time to get the negative test needed to play in the Australian Open. But look, it starts now on Monday. So if a player were to be positive now, they together with their support person in their bubble would be withdrawn immediately. They have been strict the whole way through. And as things stand now, if these tests are done, if a player is positive, then unfortunately for them, everything they've been through to get to the stage but the Australian Open would be over. And you have to think that once the Australian Open starts, the crowds are going to be coming in. Nowhere near full capacity what they're used to, but a lot more than we saw at the US Open last year and a lot more that we saw at Roland Garros. But they have to have these extreme measures. There are Australian residents who are not allowed back home because of the pandemic, yet they've opened their borders, they've opened their doors to the tennis world. You're talking over a 1,000 people coming from across the world on certain flights that they paid for. Tennis Australia have confirmed that they have spent their reserves of 80 million Australian dollars and they've actually now had to take out a loan to cover the costs of the players quarantining. And I'm sure every single person involved is holding their breath every time. And I've spoken to players, every time they go for a test, they are nervous because they know through no fault of their own, they may have contracted this. And then their tournament is over. They're clamping down quickly, as we've heard here, as you mentioned in Perth. I cannot imagine what it is like to be one of the organisers. Thanks to Codley Walsh, Australian sports writer and former tennis coach, and to the BBC's tennis commentator, Gigi Salmon. So let's bring in the BBC's tennis commentator, Russell Fuller, as we wrap up on tennis here on The Locker Room. And Russell, there's good news. Of course, we know all players return negative tests, which definitely means we're up and running for the games on Monday. So let's talk about the action on the pitch then. And you have been speaking to one of the favourites in the women's draw this season. The world number one, no less, from Australia, who came just short at a home Grand Slam last year when she was beaten by Sophia Kennan in the semi-finals. This week, Barty played her first competitive matches since the end of February last year. She decided, because of the coronavirus pandemic, not to travel, didn't defend her French Open title at Roland Garros in late September, but says she genuinely 
didn't miss being away too much. There was obviously the decision that we made to not go to the French Open was probably the toughest of the whole year, uh, not being able to to try and defend my, my first Grand Slam title. But uh, in, in all honesty, uh, I didn't uh, didn't watch any. Um, so, uh, you know, I didn't kind of sit there and, and wishing oh, and thinking I wish that was me um, because I was I was completely happy and completely content with, with what I had at home and uh, knowing that I made all the right decisions for the right reasons and not one bit of me had any bit of regret um, or, or any bit of kind of a, a fear of missing out. I know that I, I made the decisions for the right reasons and, and I slept uh, pretty well at night knowing that. Do you know what to expect tennis-wise over the next few weeks? I know that I've prepared as best that I can. I've, I've done the work and, and now we just wait and see. I think there's there's no expectations other than, that than I go out there, I enjoy it, I thrive in the competition again and I think go, just go out there and have some fun. And do you feel like the best player in the world? I feel like, for me, I'm getting the best out of myself and, and that's all that matters. Because it's a strange one, isn't it? You've got that title which you've earned and I'm sure that gives you a lot of confidence, but I wonder if part of you doesn't quite believe it because you've not been on court for so long. Yeah, but I think, like like you said, I felt like we've, we've earned the position uh, at the top of the rankings and I know that uh, I do a hell of a lot of work off the court to, to try and be the best that I can be and, and that's all I can do. Uh, I can't control... Uh, what what any other athletes do out in the court. I, I can't control how they prepare, but I know that for myself and for my team, we, we cross every T and dot every I to the best of our ability and, and try and give ourselves the best chance of improving every day. Do you see it as risky, the Australian Open taking place? Because I can see quite possibly how it will be a phenomenal success. It will give Melbourne and Australia a huge boost. But if there is spread of COVID to the community as a result of a tennis circus being in town, that potentially is very, very damaging, isn't it, for the event and for the sport? Yeah, I think, and as players, we have to put the trust in, in the health officials and the government that they've put the rules in place. Uh, we've had to abide by them, and I think everyone has, and I think that's that's all we can do. Uh, we, we have to put the trust in those that are making those decisions and, and know that it's safe. What do you think about the rest of the year? Have you thought about making a trip to... Europe and potentially back to Paris in May time if, if things don't improve COVID-wise to try and play in that French Open? Yeah, it's, it's a challenging one to say right now. Things things change so quickly uh, all over the world, it seems. Every every day there's new news. So I think for us, it's it's about prioritising uh, right from the start. I mean, our priorities haven't changed. It, it will be the health of, of my team and my family and and uh, me as well. But uh, it's, it's hard for me to, to comment right now. I think that we will plan as best that we can to to travel and, and to play, um, but no, ultimately that those decisions will be made close to the time. Ash Barty of Australia, who is involved in the first of eight matches on Friday in Melbourne on the Margaret Court Arena. She'll be playing the quarterfinals of the Yarra Valley Classic. She's up against the American Shelby Rogers. Thanks, Russell. And let's remind ourselves of the draw earlier today with Al Ross. Naomi Osaka against Anastasia Pavlachenkova and Yulia Putinseva against Sloane Stephens, arguably the ties of the round. In the women's draw, Novak Djokovic begins the defence of his men's title against Jeremy Shardy. So we look forward to the disease plague Australian Open, which begins on Monday in Melbourne. Now, sticking with competition's challenge with coronavirus, we'll have to talk about the Olympics.
singing or chanting will be discouraged at the rearranged Tokyo Olympics and Paralympics in a bid to safeguard against the spread of coronavirus. Now, instead, those attending the Olympics due to begin on the 23rd of July and Paralympics set to start on the 24th of August will be encouraged to clap in order to show support. The decision is one of a number of rules detailed in a playbook published by organizers. The first playbook is aimed at members of the international federations and technical officials, but further versions due to be published will be aimed at athletes and the media. The move is to highlight processes in place to ensure safe games comes. As organizers stress, they are committed to a successful and safe delivery of the games, despite Tokyo currently being in a state of emergency due to the coronavirus pandemic. So let's get more from the BBC's Alex Capstick. Alex, you've been over this. What more can you tell us about the Olympics playbook? Well, what they've done is they've released what they've called a playbook. There are going to be a few of these in the next week or so. The first is designed for the international federations, uh, the officials. The athletes will get theirs next week, but the framework is there and it will tell us what the rules and regulations are. And it's a pretty comprehensive list. Uh, a lot of it is, you would expect, it follows hygiene rules that everybody is uh, following across the world right now. But they're also saying that the athletes uh, and officials must use... Uh, games transport only they can't go on public transport you can't visit uh, a bar you can't go to tourist areas you've got to stay inside the official games uh, venues and everybody will have to come up with an activity plan in that it will detail where you are and who you are with uh, for the 14 days or so that you are, are in Japan. And this all starts a long time before you get to Japan, two weeks before you're expected to have regular uh, temperature checks and then you've got to have a negative test within 72 hours uh, of uh, departure. And then athletes, it says, will be tested uh, at least every four days once they are uh, in Japan. Uh, there's a ban as well, it says, for officials supporting athletes on shouting uh, and cheering. They will be allowed to clap. We're not sure what that means for spectators there yet their set of rules hasn't been uh, published but they'll be looking at that closer uh, to when the game start which is on july the 23rd if anyone breaks the rule there are going to be sanctions there is the possibility that if you are uh, you regularly break the, the rules you're a repeat offender uh, then you could even lose your accreditation in other words be kicked out of the games although when i asked the executive director of the Olympic Games, Christoph Duby, about that. He was more cautious. He said, we don't expect people to break the rules, but there is, uh, there are going to be disciplinary measures, a disciplinary commission in place, which they will use if they absolutely have to. Well, Alex, that's comprehensive enough, but keeping in mind the challenges the Australian Open is facing currently, how tricky will this competition be? Absolutely, and, and Christoph Duby in his introduction to this said that this was a monumental challenge and they've been working really hard uh, to get it uh, right. We've seen what's happened in Australia and if you compare that to the Olympic Games, the Australian Tennis Open is just one single sports event. It's a big one, uh, but it is, it is only one. Uh, at the Olympic Games, they've got 33 uh, sports events, 11,000 athletes at the Olympics, 4,500 at the uh, Paralympics. It's a, a huge exercise and keeping everyone inside a secure bubble, which is in effect what they're going to try to do, is going to be a really, really hard task. They're confident they can do it, but it is a huge, huge exercise, and there will be changes to these rules and regulations as we get nearer to the Games. Thank you very much, Alex Capstick, for your time. You're welcome. And surely one event that will happen no matter the problems of coronavirus and in America's a Super Bowl. They're going to let the play go. It's not going to matter as Garoppolo now has it knocked incomplete um, obviously now second and six Williams makes a cut and will roll into the end zone for the touchdown no flags 
up to get it. And that will end this game with under a minute to go. Preparations are very much underway. We know Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will face Patrick Mahomes and defending champions Kansas City Chiefs in what promises to be a spectacular sight on Sunday. Ready in his first season since joining the Buccaneers from New England Patriots, is bidding to win the Vince Lombardi Trophy for a record seven time in his 10th appearance in the showpiece game. The 43-year-old, widely regarded as the sport's greatest quarterback, aims to lead the Bucs into the second Super Bowl success and first since 2003. We also know the competition will have a different feel because of COVID-19. Let's get a preview to the action right now to come on Sunday. And joining me is American football journalist Blair Tete, who is in Tampa at the moment. Now, thanks, Blair. How different will this year's Super Bowl be from the previous years? So the atmosphere, unsurprisingly, is a bit quieter than previous Super Bowls. I was in Miami last year, and the excitement was massive. I mean, anywhere you went, you would run into fans, you would run into media. This year, there's still kind of that that nervousness of flying in for the event, for traveling in which means there aren't as many Kansas City Chiefs fans as you might think. Um, The Buccaneers are playing at home, though, which means that there are plenty of Buccaneers fans roaming around. This is the first time a team has played at home in 55 years of Super Bowl history. So there is still that excitement. I mean, there are advertisements, banners. You're still going to see that the Super Bowl is happening. You're still going to be aware of it. But it's a little bit different with most of the events happening on Zoom. You're having virtual pressers. So a lot has changed, but... There's still going to be a Super Bowl, and it's still very obvious that there's an event coming. Yeah, Blair, sounds like it's going to be a big challenge for both players and organizers of this competition, wouldn't it? Oh, definitely. Um, one of the biggest challenges for organizers, they're trying to keep everyone safe. Obviously, they're trying to keep the fans, the players, the coaching staff safe, which means that fewer people are going to be allowed in attendance on the actual game day. We're seeing just over 20,000 people are going to be allowed. 7,500 of these will be vaccinated healthcare workers. So that's going to be a major change. And, you know, players are used to kind of feeding off that energy in the stadium. They've been getting used to that, though, and they've adapted all year. So maybe that won't be a major difference. But, you know, some of these differences in the changes this year actually may be good for the players. I got the chance to talk to Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady the other day, and he said that this is the best prep he's ever had. And this is his 10th Super Bowl. So he's had the experience. He said, He has downtime, waking up in his own bed. All of these are really big deals for him. And he's 43 years old. He's coming to the Super Bowl. He's one of the oldest quarterbacks, but he still has a lot in him, I think. When to walk away, that's a good question. I think I'll know when it's time. Um, So I don't know when that time will come, but I I think I'll know. And I'll understand that I gave everything I could to get to this game. So, you know, you put a lot into it. I don't think... I can never uh, go at this game half-assed. You know, I got to put everything into it. So, you know, you you take different hits, you take different, you know, over the course of the year, deal with different bumps and bruises, different injuries and so forth. So, you know, it's just going to be me continuing to make that commitment to making it part of my year-round process to play football and continue my career. So, Obviously, this year is so different. How is this going to be different for you personally compared to the last nine Super Bowls you've been to? And how have you prepared differently for this game? I think the football preparation has been easier. There's definitely, you know, in in a lot of ways, you know, actually my family's been out of town for the last six days. They're not coming back in town until Saturday. So I really had an empty house for uh, will be 12 days leading up to the game. That's the most prep I've ever had. Um, Could really focus on what I need to do from a football standpoint. A lot of the non-football stuff I'd say is entirely different. 
the football has been, I would say, helpful for me. Uh, I love the preparation of it. I think for me, the more I study, the more I watch, the more I understand, uh, the more information I can process, the better it is for me. So I'm going to use it as best I can, try to be as, as uh, physically prepared, as much time with uh, my body coach, Alex Guerrero, as possible, as much time studying film as possible, and then, you know, not wait. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. And the energy. And you know, the Kansas City Chiefs are going to face a different challenge this year coming in later. Thanks, Blair, for your time on the show. And thank you very much to all of you tuning in to the locker room this week. We'll be back next week with another great edition of the show. So we meet then, be good. Thanks for listening to The Locker Room on Joy 99.7 FM. The podcast will be available online at myjoyonline.com in 30 minutes. This production was powered by Joy Sports and supported by the BBC World Service. Joy 99.7 FM. And I say keep on listening to Joy, 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 Joy. 99.7 FM.
Black, DJ Black. 